is the official watch of the NBA. Everybody who listens to this podcast knows how I feel about aggregation. I'm oddly intrigued by neck tattoos. Yeah, we love China. We love no playing there. Oh, man. Oh, man. I'm, sorry. I'm sorry. It's just hitting me right now. Shut up and listen. You think you're better than me? Bye! Hey guys, it's Chris. Quick note here at the top of the show. Um, if you haven't figured it out, Ben and I are knee deep into a deep dive on the 1991 WWF Royal Rumble, which took place in Miami. This was a three-hour-long pay-per-view event. It took place on January 19th, 1991. Uh, it took place two days after the United States uh, entered a war with Iraq, the Gulf War over in the Persian Gulf. Um if you missed the first two episodes, feel free to hit pause on this one. Go find those. That would be episodes 151 and 152. Uh, you can pick up where you left off whenever you're ready here with chapter three. Uh, we covered a bunch of stuff in the first couple episodes. We did sort of a macroscopic discussion, conversation about what was happening uh, in, in the world at the time with the United States waging war with Iraq, kind of geopolitically, and how the WWF tied into all of that. Then we sort of discussed uh, the first couple of matches here. We had the Rockers, Marty Jannetty and Shawn Michaels taking on the Orient Express. We talked about the big boss man uh, taking on the Barbarian. And we're going to pick up today... Um, right before the WWF World Heavyweight Championship bout between the Ultimate Warrior and Sergeant Slaughter. Now, um, the WWF did a really fun thing. They ran these promos uh, ahead of these big uh, matches, and we wanted to sort of dissect and discuss in great detail specifically the promo featuring Sergeant Slaughter and General Adnan. There was a lot going on so we felt it sort of deserved uh its own special episodes here it is without further ado chapter three of the 1991 royal rumble deep dive all right moving on uh we have some special messages here from sergeant slaughter 
and his manager, General Adnan. Oh my God! And then we I mean, also this is this is we also hear from the, the warrior I, as well. But let's start with with Slaughter and Adnan. Ben, the floor is yours. Um, I mean, absolutely iconic promo. Like maybe the the the, the image that is most indelibly like seared yeah. into my memory. And I feel like Ghost can back me up on this. Sergeant Slaughter in full regalia, you know, Arab headdress. The headdress, the whistle. Yeah, the whistle. Um, his quote-unquote commanding officer, General Adnan, at his side. Um, you know, backstage with Sean Mooney. Um, like this, this was this was the first time that we were seeing Slaughter um, in, in during the event. <clears throat> and I mean, my God, like what a profound just visual. Well, thank you, gentlemen. With me now, Sergeant Slaughter, the number one contender for the World Wrestling Federation Championship, and his commanding officer, General Adnan. Hot, dress right, dress. General Adnan. Well, Sergeant Slaughter, tonight you'll be... Shut your whole puke and listen up. And all you maggots out there, listen up. If you think that there's turmoil in the world today, you wait until I leave this area and I head to the ring to face the ultimate puke for the World Wrestling Federation Championship. And when I defeat the ultimate puke and I, Sergeant Slaughter, become the new World Wrestling Federation champion, then you will see some turmoil. Turmoil like you've never seen before. What these maggots need is a leader. And I, Sergeant Slaughter, will be their new leader. I have integrity, and I'm someone they can look up to and respect. Ultimate puke, your weeks are no longer numbered. Your days are no longer numbered. Your hours are no longer numbered. Your seconds are numbered. Ultimate puke, you are dismissed. And that's an order. Yeah, I don't even really know where where to begin here, but like this, this was the the moment where it, it sort of uh, suddenly was like driven home, like what we were what we were fighting for. Yes. Like this was the heel of the event, um, and now I don't know exactly how deep we want to go on all this, but um, but this man, Sergeant Slaughter, um, was presented to us um, as a an Iraqi sympathizer. Um, and an ally and friend, in fact, of Saddam Hussein. I mean, this this was the 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 place where where the WWF decided it was going to go. Um, and I mean, gosh, like yeah, like so, I said, there's so, so the essence really quick. The essence of the message is just very quickly. Sergeant Slaughter. We cut to to the locker room where we see Sergeant Slaughter and General Adnan, and Slaughter, Slaughter warns 
the warrior who he refers to as the ultimate puke who i, I will be the re- ultimate puke. i will be referring to as ultimate <laughs> puke fr- from here on in so he warns yeah. puke that he's down to his final seconds and mm-hmm. and then later you know just a second later we kind of see the reverse where warrior responds saying some kind of incoherent message but basically that you know he he replies to to slaughter in real time that basically like you know it's the other way around like you know you know slaughter slaughter's the one that needs to worry um right right just i I mean a couple of uh thoughts off the top of my head about this initial slaughter message from a creative design perspective um ghost just the the choreography of 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 costume and and color like you have these greens and reds and the white that cream white that really pop and they are the color of the Iraqi flag that that slaughter is wearing. Well, Adnan is holding a flag yeah, right there Adnan's, at his side. Adnan's yeah. obviously holding the Iraq flag, but you have slaughter here wearing the green camo that we associate with GI Joe and America. But it, it, there is a subliminal sort of. You know, when I'm looking at Slaughter now, I am not seeing America. I am seeing, I am seeing Iraq. I am seeing, you know, yeah. like an Iraqi sympathizer, a Persian, like, you know, like the it's, Persian Gulf uh, image here. It's, uh, I, I love it from a visual standpoint. I'm just, I'm an absolute sucker for like ver- variants of costumes. In other words, you, you have, you know, your vanilla Spider-Man, but then there was the black version of Spider-Man and then there's the, you know, 2099 version of Spider-Man. I'm an absolute sucker for like uh, modifications on the classic uh, that, especially so when there's a story tied to it, like the character has gone through some sort of transformation and it's not just uh, a, for no reason, yeah. just mm. for cool new colors. You know, like the Macho Man would switch up costumes, but it was basically meaningless. It was just him going to his insane schizophrenic closet, opening it up <laughs> and just going crazy. Uh, but with something like this, it's all the more fascinating. It's, it's grounded it's in awesome. story. It's it's based in story. Yeah, so it, you, as Ben said, as both of you guys pointed out, he's got the classic, uh, you know, G.I. Joe action figure, uh, camo green, um, that we're all accustomed to him seeing, but it's topped off by this uh, just gigantic kafia, the you know traditional Middle Eastern desert garb. It's just completely says he's been subsumed by this kafia. It's covering yeah. the entire upper body. I think it's a little larger than you normally see. That's a really good point. It is covering most of the the USA camo. Yeah, and I want to say, guys, that like I mean, this is probably very obvious, but it bears like mentioning part of our disdain for slaughter is that he is a benedict arnold right he's a turncoat because we are looking at gi Mm. joe america we are looking at the guy that is representative of everything we know and think of as like a, a an american like general and sergeant wearing uh, both our colors and our costumes, but he is now, like you said, Ghost, he has rebooted it. He has he has done a spinoff and is now very clearly the face of an Iraqi sympathizer. So we are seeing us uh, as traitors, and it's it's yeah. it's offensive Dude, to the core. It's, it's so that's so well put, Chris. And it's it, it really I've never analyzed it to such an extent, but it's it's 
another reason why I like that modified costume in any form when it tells the story, because it's like uh, like the corrupted version yeah. of Sergeant Slaughter in a very real sense. Yes. It's, you can see the vestiges of what he once was, but it's like this new mutation. And so uh, I think it's very important that he still have the old camo green on there. It wouldn't have worked so well if he just had like a big white garb, you know, Middle Eastern whole getup. It's uh, it's pretty. It's pretty. Now amazing. I know this is yeah. what they not. I know this is not what they were trying to to reference or get at. But I can't help but notice those red lockers behind Adnan. <laughs> I also put an. I put a note in wondering: Are those even real lockers, or are they but literally it, just like instant, painted it like planks of wood? Instantly brings me back to middle school, and it's like yeah. there is some sort of subliminal, subliminal like effect of like you know, like your your middle school locker or the high school gym, where it's like yeah. it it takes you instantly back to school, and that there are good guys and bad guys, and that there are heroes and villains. And we want to be on the right side of history. We want to be with the good guys, and these guys are the traitors. They're the bad guys. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was wondering if you guys were when you talk about Slaughter's transformation, his 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 uh, you know turning uh, from from you know one character to another, and you mentioned GI Joe. Did you were you actually familiar at the time with his? Um, uh, his actual connection to, to GI Joe. Ben, we've talked, so I, you've you've done a wonderful job explaining to me his backstory with GI Joe. Um, yeah, but I did not. I mean, certainly as a ten year old kid, I didn't understand at the time that there was some relationship between Slaughter and GI Joe. But now, yeah. like you see it, and you're like, yeah, this makes perfect sense. This guy is the spitting image of a GI Joe figure. So why don't you share well, real, for the audience, like yeah. what exactly was happening? I mean, this this blew my mind, and I'm going to try not to go too long because, um, you know, I, I know that we're only on, what, match number two at this point. But um, but this just blew my mind, um, and it was something that I only learned, um, you know, re- retroactively. Uh, at the time um, that I started, you know, watching WWF, um, S- Sergeant Slaughter was just the bad guy. That's all I knew him as. Um, he was the bad guy that was some kind of a an army guy who, um, you know, became infatuated with Saddam Hussein and, and, and turned to the dark side. I had no idea as a nine-year-old or eight-year-old in 1991 that uh, because it, it predated me, uh, it was before my time as a fan, that in the 1980s, um, Sergeant Slaughter was as big a star, a babyface, good guy star as Hulk Hogan. He basically rivaled Hulk Hogan in popularity um, in the early 1980s. From indeed, Paris Island, South Carolina, coming into view on his way to San Jose, California. I don't know what that fellow said there in all that different type of language, but he says it'll take more than a whistle to beat him. Well, let me tell you, how does a slaughter cannon sound? How does a cobra clutch sound to you, Tito Santana? You're right. I don't respect anybody. You know, I don't have to come up here and call people names, but I will. You slime, you grease ball. I get a kick out of calling people names. And you know why I can do it? Because I'm man enough to do it. Feuding with the likes of Iron Sheik, um, who, of course, was like the ultimate heel bad guy, um, you know, Iranian sympathizer. 
Um, and Sergeant Slaughter was like represented America and and the U.S. of A. and the armed forces, maybe even more so than Hulk Hogan because he was so clearly you know a a military character. His gimmick was was that of a, a drill sergeant. Um, a um, and so uh, then I found out only later that. Um, the reason that Sergeant Slaughter left the WWF, and this was like just prior to, I believe, WrestleMania one. So like the WWF was like just sort of starting to, to really come into its own as this national promotion, uh, you know, that was kind of like, you know, uh, butting all the other smaller regional promotions like out um, and, and kind of like taking over the entire industry in the early 80s, um, thanks to the popularity uh, in large part of, of Sergeant Slaughter. So just prior to, to, uh, to WrestleMania 1 in 1985, um, Sergeant Slaughter, because he's such a huge star in, in wrestling, gets approached by G.I. Joe, the toy company, um, uh, and says, hey, they, they say, hey, do you want to come and work with us and, and basically become uh, something that at the time was was never had never been done, which is like a real-life person becoming a G.I. Joe character or a G.I. Joe figure? Um, and Slaughter, um, you know, tried to, to, um, he, you know, he, he, he went to Vince McMahon with the idea and Vince said, listen, um, I would be all for it, except that it would be a conflict with our, um, our deal because WWF had a, uh, a toy, um, licensing deal with the manuf- with the toy manufacturer LJN and GI Joe was Hasbro. So basically there was like a business conflict there. Uh, and Vince told, uh, Slaughter that he had to choose literally between the WWF and GI Joe. Slaughter thought about it and said, all right, I'm going to go be a G.I. Joe. So he left the WWF just prior to WrestleMania 1. Reminder, he's like basically the biggest star in the entire federation, rivaling Hulk Hogan, um, and leaves WWF so he can go become a G.I. Joe character. He appears in the cartoons as himself. My name is Sergeant Slaughter, special drill instructor for G.I. Joe. That's terrific, Sarge, but uh, I'm trying to cut down on the chicken sweat just now, so if you'll excuse me... You're going nowhere, Space Case. You're here because you're an industrial straight follow-up. My job is to whip you into shape, and I'm talking whip. There's only two ways out of my command. On your feet like a man, or in a ditty bag. An itty-bitty ditty bag. Got it? Yes, sir! Voiced by him, um, Sergeant Slaughter... Um, whose name we should mention? Wait, what is his name? I forget. Uh, Robert Remus. Yes, Bob. Bob Remus. Um, so, so he leaves WWF to become a GI Joe uh, character. He appears in the um, 1987 GI Joe animated feature film. This is for Falcon. This is for me. This is for Duke. And this is for the U.S. Army! And was, like, just this huge, huge draw. Like, huge star, like, you know, pop culture icon. Cobra can run, but he can't hide! The G.I. Joe Crusader is hot on his trail. Nobody beats G.I. Joe, G.I. Joe Crusader. Cobra is shaking, shaking with fear. Crusader's all blasting from the stratosphere. Gotcha! Launch the I remember as a kid, like, I was into G.I. Joe, but I definitely, like, didn't really, like... Remember, like maybe I thought I like saw him in like a cartoon on TV and was like, you know, I had no idea that he was a wrestler. I had no like context or or like um, you know familiarity history with with uh, with the wrestling uh, kind of you know history. Um, so so then anyway, um, I guess it was like after WrestleMania six, um, 
uh, there's a story of like Sergeant Slaughter being in his hotel room. He watches WrestleMania six, uh, in, uh, the Sky Dome in Toronto. And it's like one of the biggest shows, you know, WWF had ever put on. He calls up Vince and he's like, Hey man, like that was incredible. Like I want back in, um, I want to, I want to come back and, 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 uh, and, and be part of the WWF. So Vince brings him back into the fold. Um, and you know, Slaughter is thinking like, Oh yeah, I'll come back and be this, you know, American hero, like military guy. And Vince McMahon, because he's an evil fucking genius, has this other plan, um, which he lays out, which is for Slaughter to, in fact, turn heel and be a turncoat. Um, and, you know, by mid-1990, like, tensions were starting to ramp up in the Middle East, and it was becoming enough of a national story, you know, the buildup of, of troops and stuff in the Persian Gulf, that Vince is like, all right, here's the deal. You're going to become an Iraqi sympathizer and an ally of Saddam Hussein, and do all this crazy shit, which would include uh, Sergeant Slaughter opening a gift um, on uh, a WWF program, opening a gift, a present uh, that was a pair of boots given to him by Saddam Hussein and pledging that he would uh, win the WWF championship and go back to Baghdad to celebrate in a parade uh, side by side with Saddam Hussein and General Adnan in a car together. Oh, look at those boots. What a gift! President Saddam Hussein! I, Sergeant Slaughter, pledge that my career will follow your lofty standards just as you conquered Kuwait. I, Sergeant Slaughter, will wear these boots. I will wear your gift. And I I can see it now, poop face. President Saddam Hussein in the middle, General Adnan on the right, and I, Sergeant Slaughter, the new World Wrestling Federation champion on the left. Um, like really extreme shit. At one point, um, Vince asks um, Slaughter to burn an American flag on live television. Um, that was the one thing that Slaughter said he wouldn't do. Instead, he they ended up burning like a Hulkamania T-shirt, which was a, kind of the stand-in for the American flag. Um, and like all this stuff, there was a, now I don't know if you guys, if, uh, ghost, if you can back me up on this, but I, um, read and I feel like I have a memory of it as a kid that there was a photoshopped image of Slaughter, Adnan and Saddam Hussein, um, side by side, smiling, posing and smiling together for a picture that appeared in the official WWF magazine. 
they fucking photoshopped an image which like at the time as a kid I, I mean even as an adult i don't you know it was 1990 like i don't think anyone knew what photoshop was like how photos could be manipulated um and they ran a fucking image a photo of slaughter side by side with saddam hussein got it saddam hussein got it um um, I, I'm you're, putting I think it. You're right on the I'm money, Ben. It. I think it was on the level with. Uh, it's in the chat. Kind of photoshopping, quote unquote, quote unquote, you might find at the time from uh, the National Enquirer, basically a black and white image. So you, that buys you a little fuzziness. Yeah. Uh, I think technically Adobe Photoshop had been, re- you know, on the market for a few years at that point. Certainly hadn't uh, become a popular industry standard for doing this kind of thing. Doesn't matter. The fact that they did it, whatever way they did it. Yeah, uh, it's just absolutely insane. I mean, it is like mind blowing. I, I just put the it lengths in the that chat. they. If you look in the chat, yeah, I'm looking at it now. Okay. Yeah, um, it's mind blowing. And the thing that I think that they didn't realize at the time was that I don't think that I, I think I, I've read that like sort of when they were coming up with the storyline, they just sort of thought it would be like Iran, where like there was tension, there was you know. Like they were sort of seen as an enemy, but it would never actually boil into all out, you know, actual war. So there was no real like risk. They were like, yeah, we'll push the envelope, but it'll be like the Cold War. It'll be like the Russian bad guy or the Iranian bad guy. Um, And now we have an Iraqi bad guy because now Iraq is like the bad guy. Um, But the fact is that it kind of like got a little away from them, I would say. But instead of pulling back, they fully fucking leaned into it and they were like, no, 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 we're going to actually embrace this. Again, reminder, this event is taking place two days after air bombing had begun over Baghdad. Um, and it was an actual shooting war, what they say, you know, a hot war <laughs> uh, with people's lives on the fucking line. Um, and uh, like actual, you know, death uh, being, being you know, doled out in, in real life. And they're like, Nope, we're going to stick with this. We're going to lean into it. We're going to embrace it. Um, and now is when I feel like I should, again, as briefly as I can here, touch a little bit on General Adnan. Um, because <laughs> if this... When you just, I mean, you sent me down this rabbit hole. I'm going to let you take the lead on this. But this General Adnan yeah. uh, angle just it blew my mind. It, my whole life just came to a halt until i got to the end of this rabbit hole i'm not even sure i'm at the end of it no i'm definitely not no one is Uh, yep uh, i'm gonna say a sentence it makes no sense andre the giant was almost executed by saddam hussein i yeah this is so insane yeah but uh wow it just go ahead ben yeah, real, real quick, let me just, I mean, the details are, are too crazy. I don't want to get them wrong. So I'm just going to read directly from Wikipedia. Um, Adnan bin Abdul Karim Ahmed Al-Kaisi Al-Farthi, born circa March 1, 1936 or possibly 1939. Better known professionally as Adnan Al-Kaisi, is an Iraqi former professional wrestler and manager best known as Sheikh Adnan Al-Kaisi, uh, Billy White Wolf, or General Adnan. In 1971, he defeated Andre the Giant in Al-Shab Stadium in Baghdad under the auspices of his former friend at high school, Saddam Hussein. Saddam Hussein. Let me repeat that. General Adnan, who is in the 1991 Royal Rumble playing a character that was created and scripted as the Iraqi commanding officer of the also scripted fake character Sergeant Slaughter, was in real life an Iraqi wrestler who was childhood 
classmates and friends with actual fucking <laughs> Saddam Hussein. <laughs> they were buddies. They were pals. Um, and um, Saddam Hussein used uh, General Adnan, um, his boyhood, boyhood friend. Um, he used Adnan um, as a smokescreen um, when grabbing control of Iraq in the 1960s. Um, this is, uh, again, uh, this is like too crazy for me to even like try to like paraphrase, um, because I'll like, I don't know, get like confused and, 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 and my mind will get twisted. So, and I'll stumble, stumble over my words. So I'll just read, um, this is from the blurb of a book called, um, the shake of Baghdad. This is a book I absolutely want to read at some point. It's called the shake of Baghdad tales of celebrity and terror from pro wrestling's general Adnan. Uh, published um, in April of 2005 uh, by, um, well, it's by Adnan Al-Kaysi, is the author, uh, and Ross Bernstein is his co-author. Um, from the Amazon blurb, Saddam Hussein used a boyhood friend uh, of his as a smokescreen when he was grabbing control of Iraq in the 1960s. Knowing that the country was enamored with wrestling, Hussein for- forced his former classmate, Adnan Al-Kaysi, to wrestle in giant spectacles that the public loved. Much like the gladiator matches staged by Roman Caesars, Hussein's wrestling matches featuring Al-Kaysi were intended to entertain and appease the masses while Hussein became dictator. Al-Kaysi became a living legend in Iraq, amassing great wealth and popularity, but he left all of that and more than $2 million in the bank when he fled in the middle of the night and bribed his way out of the country. Al-Kaysi became known to generations of wrestling fans in the U.S. as Chief Billy White Wolf, The Sheikh, and most famously, General Adnan. Um, So, yeah. um, This guy, General Adnan, who's playing a character... um, I mean, there's, I've researched and read more stuff that I can't even get into, but like he was very much, uh, his life and the life of his family was in extreme peril um, when like in the late 70s, early 80s, uh, it got to a point where he was becoming so popular. Um, and uh, as far as I know, um, Saddam Hussein, like at the time that, that Al-Kaysi was wrestling, wasn't aware that wrestling was like fake and scripted. Um, and so every time that Al-Qaisi fought in Baghdad, of course he won because if anyone ever beat him, like literally that wrestler would have been murdered by the crowd or Saddam Hussein. Um, and so, yeah, there's a story about Andre the Giant, um, fighting and, um, yeah, Andre the Giant has like quotes of, of, you know, feeling like, like his life was absolutely in danger, like hiding under the ring, um, for like hours, like following a match to like, let the like excitement die down, uh, because he was in fear of his life. Um, just insane, insane shit. Um, and yeah, literally Al Casey like fled the country to save his own life. Um, got back to, uh, uh, you know, the States cause he actually went to college, uh, in America, um, in like the late fifties, I want to say mid fifties. Um, and, um, and was like a football player, I think maybe an amateur wrestler whatever. Um, anyway, got into professional wrestling, got linked up with Vince McMahon and McMahon was like, Oh, I have an idea for you. Um, how about how about you uh, you be my uh, my stand-in basically for Saddam Hussein? Um, you are an actual Iraqi, so you speak the language. Um, which, like, I want to point out here that like I think Sergeant Slaughter was a great character. He was incredibly good at what he was doing, but he was cartoonish. He was a little like ridiculous. I mean, look at the man. He's like this like fat, balding, overweight guy with like the most cartoonishly enormous chin. 
Um, like he was scary, but he was like kind of just silly. Like he was kind of like ridiculous and he wasn't at all like certainly from a physique standpoint, he was also like, you know, 40 something years old at this point in his career, uh, slaughter was, um, and probably shouldn't even, even been wrestling, you know, in, in like major, uh, you know, pay-per-view spots anymore. Um, which we'll see in his match because, you know, it's not exactly the, uh, the highest form of, re- of actual wrestling. But the point is that um, he was kind of a, a cartoonish figure, at least in my eyes. But having Adnan next to him, like chanting wildly in Arabic or, or you know, I don't know if it was Farsi or whatever. Um, but that lent an air of legitimacy and like actual like, like visceral fear and like terror. Like looking at that guy and being like, oh shit, like, Slaughter is like actually like fighting for the enemy. Like he is fully like aligned here. Like this is not joking around. Like listening to that Arabic chanting, which of course the WWF exploited in a very, you know, racist and xenophobic way. Like we ha- we must say like they knew exactly what they were doing and they were like striking fear in the hearts of young children with this Arabic chanting and this wild-eyed you know, like like maniac looking guy, Adnan with his eyes and his mustache and um, you know, his outfit, everything was like very, very fucking scary. <laughs> and it was like, holy shit, like this is not like like I mean I I don't know as if a nine year old if I like really even thought like how much of this is fake or not. It was like kind of it felt like kind of a gray area. But like having Adnan in there, um, like absolutely like like put Slaughter over as like a legit like horrifying figure and that's why you know what what ensued like had the power that it had i think was was thanks to adnan yeah there's like a point at which uh it stops being like performance or like like it almost feels like the performance of the performance of a foreign culture uh on the part of slaughter feels as egregious as like actual evil itself. Um, and (laughs) like, it's like you said, it's very deceptive when you're a young impressionable kid and the news media keeps telling you like, we have to go to war and bomb this country because of this evil dictator. And then when you go and turn on TV and you just want to watch you know, your favorite wrestlers, there is a wrestler that is effectively a stand-in for that dictator, speaking that yeah, dictator. that very real-life dictator. Speaking that dictator's language, resembling, physically resembling that dictator with the mustache and the headdress. You know, when you're a nine-year-old, 10-year-old kid, you're very impressionable, and you just, you know, it all becomes the same thing. So it's like evil is evil, and evil must be defeated. And... Um, yeah. Yeah, it was just, uh, it's something that, like, as an adult, we can kind of look back on now with some, like, clarity and and whatnot, but, uh, yeah, look at that, that shit, yeah. that Yeah, and yeah, we can, we can, we can, you know, yeah, oh my god, the, the, I know, like, the ghosts, like, I feel like this was, like, a formative, like, the, the nodding with the big chin. I don't know why, like, that big <laughs> chin is... <laughs> I don't know, just like the energy of it, just the raw, yeah. out of context energy 
safety of this image is like <laughs> I draw power from it. You know, <laughs> Ghost, I don't know if this... the slow zoom by the camera, like that, because again, they had two two cameras, which is rare for a promo. Most promos are just like straight ahead, one camera shot, one continuous, you know, to make it seem like it's it's live, you know, which it was, but I guess, but uh. Or I, maybe not for most of them, but whatever. The point is that for this one, they had a two-camera setup so that they could have a, a zoom-in on Slaughter's face as Adnan is talking, and Slaughter is nodding in approval with his massive fucking chin protruding. Um, I don't know if yeah, the, the reference really... will make sense to you, Ghost, but then, like, some, I, 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 I didn't realize it until, like, in hindsight, but something about um, Slaughter's mustache and, and the jutting chin, I always thought of with Bill Cower, the head coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Oh, sure. Did you play well enough to win, you thought? What do you think? That's what I'm asking you. I don't know. What do you think? It's fourth and 12, and we're sitting there, and we got out of the game. Hey, this bottom line is business is finding ways to win. I don't assess how I thought we played. The bottom line is we didn't win today. Can I ask your question? Pretty much. Good. Yeah, absolutely. Again, I they, it was all the same sort of world to me of these like men were not real people, you know? Like mm-hmm, they were not mm-hmm. they were not real. They were like supernatural figures. Um but yeah, the, the jutting chin, the mustache. There is ghost, I think, something interesting about the two mustaches on both Adnan and Slaughter. I do think that we are being sort of subtly, subliminally, like something is being communicated and told to us about, you know, this mustache is a signifier of of evil, right? Well, of course, Saddam was famous for his his mustache, you know, his iconic mustache. Yeah, yeah, it made sense that they that they both had a uh, had their own variation on that. Um, one more quick note about the, just the insane blurring of fantasy and reality that that occurred um, just throughout uh, WWF history. Um, I don't know if you guys are, are familiar if I've if I've uh, uh, pointed this out to you offline, but um, Sergeant Slaughter has his own, as much as Adnan has, you know, this, this crazy, like, real-life backstory. Slaughter, um, he's, a, he's a valor stealer. I don't know if you guys were familiar with that. Um, no, what is that? Yeah, which is a, a whole crazy other rabbit hole that I've uh, sadly fallen down uh, multiple times. But so Sergeant Slaughter, you know, is a character, um, a, a gimmick, uh, as, they, as they call it in, in uh, wrestling parlance. Um, and he was supposed to be a, a drill instructor, a drill sergeant. Um, and his character was that he was a Vietnam vet and was a drill, drill instructor in Vietnam. Um, and then, you know, came to wrestling as like a, as a, as a vet. Um, and then of course, you know, um, became, you know, this, this heel character in 1990, but always as this, you know, an actual, uh, veteran of, of the U S military. So, um, in real life, um, Bob Remus was not a vet. He never um, enlisted in the military, never went to Vietnam, um, had no no history of that other than watching um, uh, whatever the uh, the TV show that, that helped inspire the, the gimmick, um, which he came up with. Um, so he would go around in interviews, though, and claim, and um, now not kayfabe interviews, meaning not in character as Sergeant Slaughter, but... But like you know, years after the fact, after after his wrestling career had ended and he'd retired, he would give interviews and reference his um, his real life military background, um, being a vet. Um, and the fact is, he never was. And there's like 
reams of research about like you know different journalists have like tried to figure out like you know looking up like state like contact people in the state department trying to find like his records as a um as a marine whatever as a um and it doesn't exist he's he never served um and to this day bob remus gives interviews um multiple interviews where he talks about his um his uh his service uh yeah, that was a very unfortunate uh, path to to go down yeah. in the course of researching for this show, Ben. Um, and, you know, you talk about the, the lines being blurred with this guy. Um, you know, there's guys where it was more famously blurred, like with Macho Man and Ultimate Warrior, two guys that really couldn't seem to draw the line. But I just was not aware of it with Sarge here. You know, um, it brings up a memory... Um, as you know, we both lived in Wilton, Connecticut at this period of time. That's right. Very, uh, very close to WWF headquarters. headquarters. Very close to the Stanford HQ. Um, so well, let me cut to the present day, somewhat present day. About a year ago, I actually tweeted at Sergeant Slaughter. Um, he's very engaged on Twitter to this day, to this hour. He is, yeah. Um, and I pointed out this one time where I saw him checking out a video mm-hmm, uh, at mm-hmm. the video checkout place in the stop and shop in Wilton, Connecticut. Yep. And uh, he re- replied in the affirmative in total character. He's like, yes, maggot, my barracks were around that area at the time. Amazing. Like, Holy I shit. Like, I said it was like 1990 or 91. And he's yeah. like, oh, I can confirm again. Ghost and I to, like, like freaking out over this being like, Holy shit. You saw Sergeant wait, Slaughter in what? real life. Wait, yeah. This Ghost, yes. You're telling yes. me yes. that you saw Sergeant Slaughter <laughs> taking out yep. a movie. Uh, yeah, there's nothing more to it. Didn't get to interact with the man, but, uh, I, you know, I was with, uh, mommy or daddy checking out the groceries and, uh, it was situated in such a point where like, you know, you come to the end of the checkout line and there's where people are going to get their movies. Just this quaint little neighborhood, you know, movie checkout area of a, of a grocery store. They don't have that any longer, but you can picture it. And there was this towering man with this jutting chin going across, almost hitting the cashier in the face. And he was checking out a movie. I brought this up to the man uh, 25, 27 years later on Twitter. He replied, uh, yeah, my barracks were in that area at the time, maggot. Um, And he's still doing it to this day. Yesterday he tweets, um, not only did I win the title from the ultimate puke that night in Miami, Florida. And he's using the puke emoji. He's so deep lost in the sauce. This is yesterday, Chris. Your mind is blown. The viewers at home can't see this, but this is clearly melting your brain. Uh, but I still have the puke's purple title in a storage box somewhere here at the slaughterhouse. Wonder what that title is worth. Should put it on display. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely, he should put it on display. Are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god. Guys, uh, yeah, he the, the lines are not clearly defined in that man's yeah. life. Yeah. Yeah. Very very blurry very confused and it's weird because yeah like when you do listen to him you know for a for a retired professional wrestler he seems actually like surprisingly coherent and you know has has a very good memory of like tell you know great storyteller about the old days like all this stuff um and but there's just that one thing where you're like wait really all right and i mean at the same time like you know as people have have pointed out like i've listened to other interviews with wrestlers defending him (laughs) defending him being like listen whatever like the guy's done so much work you know with the with the armed forces like you know all sorts of charity events and going to see troops overseas like blah 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 and like 
I'm like, sure, like, yeah, and, you know, I, whatever, I'm not going to, like, absolutely, like, cancel the guy, uh, you know, like, but it's just a, one of those things where you're like, man, it's just crazy, like, and there's just so many examples of of the way, it's just, like, maybe the most poetic in a, in a way, I guess, especially with the Adnan connection, but, like, just the way this sport and this industry just kind of, like, breaks people's brains a little bit, and, like, it is just such a, yeah, it's such a, a unique thing in that way where you're just like, wait a minute, yeah, what? It's also like, just like the most stunning admission because the the Federation was built on the idea that these men were like heroes and that they admired mm-hmm. heroes and to admit your the, the lie, the conceit would be, you know, then it, then it all meant nothing, you know? Right, right. It's like, oh, and it's such a weird fine line because by now, so like, you they don't, do, you don't they are respect, open. You don't respect the troops then because you've lied to yeah. us this whole time about the, your involvement with the troops. But wait, right. I guess Ghost, you have broken my brain. You have sufficiently scrambled <laughs> my brains because what you're telling me, I guess, I just never really considered that these were real people. You know, like the yeah. idea that, like, like that the ultimate warrior would ever go to like the grocery store to get like cereal or that like Sergeant Slaughter would want to check out a movie sort of like has fr- <laughs> ultimate like banal, like pedestrian. I mean, that is like fried my mind. Like, yeah, you're just catching up. Yeah. Like the well, British the bulldog mind. just has to go to the car wash sometimes. And like, it's that, that's insane to me. I, yeah, I remember, dude. I remember very, very clearly um, as a child. Um, my dad and I went into a jewelry store that we would go to every uh, holiday season in, in uh, late December, where my dad would buy my mom a piece of jewelry, one piece of jewelry uh, every year for Christmas. Um, you know, she would go in herself like earlier on and like pick some point something out to the to the shopkeepers. It was called Sweezy's Jewelry in Westport, Connecticut. It doesn't exist anymore. It closed down some years ago. But Sweezy's Jewelry in Westport, Connecticut. My dad and I went in there one one uh, you know Christmas, um, and the shopkeepers who knew me very well, um, since my dad well, I guess was like a pretty regular customer, um, and I guess because I just would talk about wrestling to literally everyone who would listen uh, back then, knew of my my infatuation. And they said to me, Ben, you'll never believe it. Uh, you, you just missed him, but Hulk Hogan was in this store like half an hour ago. Um, and I was just like, as a little kid, just being like, what the fuck? Are you, are you kidding me? Um, but yeah, these guys all live nearby because Stanford, Connecticut was like 20 minutes from, from where uh, Ghost and I grew up in Wilton. Wait, I believe H- Hogan lived in Greenwich, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, Ben, um, I, I know that I sent you this video oh the million dollar man jewelry store yeah video yeah 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 no i i literally researched to try to figure out if if it was um was like, if it was the same jewelry store it, it wasn't okay. though it was a different okay. one yeah no i i literally like i i scoured online to find old photos of a, a of a closed down like, jewelry store oh to see if it was the same one that million dollar man visited in his vignette um uh in greenwich in uh but that was a i think a I forget, was the vignette store that Million Dollar Man went to in Greenwich? Greenwich. Or, yeah. yeah, it was in Greenwich. So the one that we went to was in Westport. Um, but yeah, like literally like, yeah, these, these guys were just like So that's really insane. Around. Like you, the fact that you guys were as children living amongst these heroes, these like enormous like celebrities and figures of our youth, that's insane. Yeah. 
we would drive by uh, the WWF headquarters right yep. on the side of the highway. On I-95. You could see it right up, right off the side of I-95. Like, I, I was like, like, in retrospect, I was kind of, it took me, I was like maybe one third behind others in terms of like understanding milestones and things like that. I literally, like, I was maybe 10 and I like actually thought like they might have lived, some of the guys lived in there or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was always like, oh, I was always like looking for them to be in the direct proximity. Right. Or like all the match, all the matches took place there, maybe. Yeah. All right, guys. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Thanks very much. Um, <laughs> Ghost, before you hop off the phone, um, we can find all of your work online at trashbagghost.com. If we want to purchase your art, it's all up there. You're on Instagram and Twitter and all the social platforms at trashbagghost. And uh, what else do we need to know? There's a live draw that you do on Twitch, right? Nailed it, Chris. Live draw, I wrapped 2020, and I'll be resuming streaming at trashbagghost.live with a refreshed schedule that's yet to come out, so that's on a bit of a hiatus, Great. but all my stuff's on trashbagghost.com, and I'm at trashbagghost on every single platform. All right, we will see you guys for uh, part two of the 1991 <laughs> Royal Rumble in a little bit. Uh, I'll talk to you guys in a bit. Uh. All right. Later. Have a good one. Pleasure, gents. You've been listening to Switch. 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 Swit